This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and I'd like to welcome you to a special Buffalo Bills-themed Christmas poem from our good friend, voiceover Nick. was the night before playoffs down at One Bills Drive. The stage was set, awaiting for the teams to arrive. The pads were hung in the locker room with care, in hopes the Lombardi Trophy soon would be there. Bills Mafia was nestled, all snug in their beds, while visions of touchdowns danced in their heads. Kim and her Zubas and Terry in his Bills cap had just settled down to dream of the first snap. I laid nervous with worry, keeping me awake, thinking all the history and what was at stake. I closed my eyes and it felt no more than a blink. It was time for the game, or so I think. I get out of bed and stumble to my chair, ready and waiting for the game to air. The game commences and it was off to the races. Roberts receives the kick and hits all the spaces. Great field position, the action couldn't be better. This day will go down truly as red letter. Dable feeds the plays to Allen like he is spitting rhymes. Perfectly executed, they result in first down most times. McDermott claps on the sideline, seeing the process take flight. Our opponents grasping to retort, try as they might. Drive after drive, topped off with extra point kicks. We look to the defense in hopes they can stick. Frazier rallies his guys to get a sack or pick. Time is running out. I'm starting to feel sick. Edmonds lines up the D to create deception in hopes to capitalize with a Micah Hyde interception. The play goes off. The pressure has the opponent surprised. The QB scrambles and rambles and is clearly outsized. Out of desperation to avoid the sack, he lets fly. The ball tipped, falling into the hands of our guy. With perfect placement on the field at hand, one last time for our offense to show off their brand. Allen whistled and shouted and called them by name. Run Beasley, run Diggs, take the slant Brown, on Singletary, on Davis, let's get the first down. Play after play, they march down the field with offensive precision, cutting through the best defense in the division. Now hut hut hike, Allen yelled in aggressive tone, to the top of the pocket, to deep in the end zone. The game is victorious, history's been made. Bills have won a playoff, first time in well over a decade. With thunderous applause and many broken tables, the joyous news was sent to all the cables. The game has been won with nothing to fear, so now we can rejoice in our holiday cheer. I awoke for real this time with a face full of grin. It was all but a dream, now on to Sunday for the real win. 
No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, with their full hearts, determination, and iron wills. Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Very nice, man. That was awesome. That was awesome. Do you have a title for this poem? Twas the night before playoffs. Oh, very nice. Good. My good my good man Nate. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, this is uh I, I I guess playfully call him voiceover Nick. You do the voiceovers for the intro and outro to every podcast. So everyone that's listened to this has heard you before, but they might not have heard you actually come on. And this was a this was a cool idea, you know, that we kind of came up with together. And, you know, we when did we start talking about this idea? Back in September, October, November? Oh, don't be modest. This was this was your baby. Oh. This was uh, something you've wanted to do for a long time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and then you disappeared. <laughs> I was like a dad, basically. Like, I was there for the very beginning, and then you carried, you know, and then you took care of it. Yeah, we, you were there for the idea, and you're like, oh, it'd be really cool if we could do this. And uh, that, I think it was like September. Was it? Jeez. And, and I was like, oh, that'll be great. That'll be a lot of fun for us to do. <laughs> And then, and then, then you yeah, didn't hear from you. <laughs> well, you know, I'm kind of glad that you know you didn't hear from me because look what happened when I left you to your own design. You, you, you did that uh, that amazing poem um, and figured it out to you know that was awesome. It's awesome that the thought of like how you were gonna was it gonna be because you know it's all based obviously on the "Twas the Night Before Christmas" poem, and you know you had to come up with the idea of like how is this gonna be? Was it gonna be? Uh, a poem about like similar to the actual poem where a guy is, you know, he's, he's actually, we don't think about this. You brought this up when we were talking about this recently and we were, you know, kind of finalizing the editing and you were like, this is, this is a story about a home invasion. <laughs> People, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was really interesting to think about structurally speaking. That's where I really hit the, the roadblocks up until, you know, I think probably two weeks ago when it finally solidified how I was going to do it. But, uh, yeah, you think about it, and you're like, everyone's asleep, and now this one dude is woken up, and you're like, why is there a guy in my house? <laughs> well, he he like, and he, he's a weirdo. <laughs> he talks to animals. Well, you know, we think it's it's one of those things where you know you just always because you've heard this story since you were a young child, right? So it's one of those things that's just ingrained. You don't actually think about it until you get older, right? And you actually put things together, and you're like, oh. This guy some thought somebody was breaking into his home, and it wasn't until he got downstairs and saw Santa Claus face to face. He was like, "Oh, okay, you can continue doing what you. You're not gonna, you know, murder me and my family." So, <laughs> while my children lay upstairs with dreams of sugar plums, <laughs> yeah, know, their father's. And, and I, I think that was the, that was the biggest hurdle though was getting over that because I was I was like, everybody's asleep. How are we going to do anything football? <laughs> Is it is it is it going to be like uh, you know Santa Claus comes and starts you know throwing dimes? <laughs> <laughs> well, you couldn't. A- you did a good job because you couldn't just have everyone stay asleep because you talked about Kim and and Terry being asleep and you know the locker room being empty. You couldn't be like you couldn't just talk about the entire stadium and the locker room and everything else being you know the players being asleep because then where where the heck would you go with that? <laughs> and that's and that's where I was because I think the first couple of uh, stanzas are kind of you know ripoffs of the uh the original and that and that's when i was like okay we need a narrator we need a football game mm-hmm. otherwise what's the point <laughs> so I was, I was like okay let's do a football game and then i'll be the you know the, the i the quote-unquote i 
uh, he'll he'll it'll be a dream. Mm-hmm. And and when I when I finally clicked into that, it was like okay. And then I started rearranging things, and, and it got a little bit easier. But uh, yeah, that was it was tough. <laughs> <laughs> and then you woke up at the end. Which is, and uh, I woke up at the end and uh, ready to see the real thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is one of the like big faux pas of like creative writing is they say never write it so that like the ending is like oh and I woke up, you know, like Bob Newhart style, right? That's what they say. But you did it, man, and you pulled it off. So congratulations. I mean, you wouldn't do well in a creative writing ca- class, but um, I think that this is <laughs> this is. I went to engineering school. They they weren't quite as strict on our uh, on our writing. <laughs> oh, they didn't care so much. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, you could dream it. It's fine. <laughs> They're like, we know as an engineer, you don't actually dream in general. You don't see things besides <laughs> black and white, ones and zeros. So uh, anything else besides that is just gravy. No, this is cool. You're using the other side of your your brain for this one. That was awesome. I, I do feel a little bad because uh, I would have liked to have gotten more names in there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we don't want this to be a... What did you say? A George R. R. Martin novel? <laughs> George R. R. Martin. That's the thing. You, you know, once you once you get into, you know, all of these players and stuff, like that's that's what people always said about um it's funny, we talked about this, was it last year or two years ago when, when Game of Thrones ended, we did like a Bill's Game of Thrones podcast and we talked about how, you know, the series had to end in a weird way because he had just opened so many doors that there was no possible way to close every single one of them within like that season or two without, you know, leaving something to be. And if you started going on every single player name within the organization, oh my goodness. Like you, I mean, you mentioned at least 12 or 10 or 12 or whatever in that one. And, and I, and I dare you to rhyme Bajorquez. <laughs> well, we originally were thinking this was your idea. You were like, oh, uh, you know, it was the night before the playoffs in one bills or in bill stadium. And then we rhymed it with Reggie Gilliam. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we moved away from that. <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, you don't want to keep it? You don't want the first player name to be the uh, the backup fullback slash tight end rookie undrafted? You don't want that to be the first name that the Bills fans hear. <laughs> yeah, it just sets up too much expectation. Like, well, if he's mentioning him, they're going to do everybody. <laughs> they're going to do everyone, right? They're at least. How long gonna- is this? It's two and a half hours long. Don't worry about it. Just <laughs> buckle in. It'll be fine. Oh man, that's funny. So it was funny. We were were talking earlier about like the home invasion, things you don't realize when you grow up. Like I remember, um, I think I wasn't in, it wasn't until my twenties that I realized like that song, mommy kissing Santa Claus. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus that I didn't realize that that was the kid's father. The whole time I'm just like, oh, well, his mom's just kissing some random guy. That's Santa Claus. Like, wow, that would, I think that might, that might uh, scar me as a child. <laughs> I, f- I feel like SNL did a skit on that last year, <laughs> where it wasn't the father. Wasn't the father? Yeah, like you mean how but I like, but he liked to watch. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> that's that's wrong. That's awesome. Also, I like how our Christmas episode kind of took a turn. <laughs> it took a turn. It took a turn. These were things. So we did like a, a Christmas draft, a Christmas movie draft a few years ago, and I've I've you know re-released it like three times. So if you guys want to search that, just search. Buffalo Rumblings Christmas movie draft. So I'm not gonna. But these are things that I've thought about since that, uh, since that three years ago. And then there was also Rudolph. Oh, I love it though. I mean, it's oh, it's a great, it's a great special. I went to be a dentist. <laughs> Do you realize the abominable snowman? The only reason why he was okay at the end is because they yanked all his teeth out. <laughs> it was like 
that's he was he hated everything about Christmas, all of the reindeer and everything. And then they just yanked all his teeth out. And he's like, well, I can't eat you anymore. So I guess I'll be nicer. <laughs> like, <laughs> interesting. I feel like that's a good lesson for everybody. <laughs> so you personally, and a story about you is you came to a, a Halloween party I had as a famous Christmas character from a movie I still haven't seen to this day. The Heat Miser. The Heat Miser. Which, what, what story is that? That's not, that's not like all those famous, it's, it's another claymation story like like it's, a, it's a Rankin Bass, yeah. Is which rank- is what Rudolph, Rudolph uh, is a Rankin Bass. Like that style is is these two dudes Rankin and Bass, and they put out like a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And there's like the the Heat Miser and the Snow Miser. Mm-hmm. I've only seen it once myself. It's it's a whole weird. That's a weird one. I don't know if it's even necessarily Christmas oriented. No, it is. But um, I just wonder what made you think to choose that one. I, f- I figured it was a favorite of yours because you went as the heat miser for Halloween and everyone had to ask you what it was. I figured this was a favorite movie of yours. Did you just have like a red shirt and you're just like, I can pull this off. That sounds more like <laughs> what happened because that was a while ago. Everything was a while ago. We are, we've been friends for a while. So everything is like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago. I think it, so I think the girl that I was dating at the time had bought the, like the Rankin and Bass complete set of all. It was like forty of these types of things. Are you serious? There's forty of those. And I think I sat through most of them, <laughs> and for whatever reason, I was like, "Oh, the heat miser. He seems he's kind of a curmudgeon. I can get behind this." <laughs> you were like 27 when you did that. You should not have been curmudgeonly at 27. <laughs> I've been curmudgeonly since I was 12. <laughs> You just been over it. It's like, ah, uh, like, geez, really? <laughs> gym, <laughs> gym class again? Come on, we just did that. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. One of my one of my buddies, his his mom was my fifth grade teacher, and uh, so I, you know, later in high school, I'd be hanging out at his house, and and she would always say, you know, you, you were just a little old man <laughs> in fifth grade. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's kind of bled into real life. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, let's talk about like, and we're going to talk bills right now because I thought that, you know, you and I have been talking, you know, aside from the podcast in general, aside from this episode, that I think you you and Josh Allen share something and um, it's not, you know, you don't have the same strong arm he does and, you know, you may not have the, the six foot five height, but you guys are both uh, come from farming backgrounds and I think that that doesn't get talked about enough. It gets glossed over. Like if you look at his, you know, pre-draft videos and some of his like pe- some of the pieces that you've seen on BuffaloBills.com about how he grew up and stuff like that. You know, that that kind of came to light more recently, especially with his success. But I remember you talking to me and saying, you know, this needs to be talked about a little bit more because of you know what it entails behind the scenes that people don't know about, and you don't know about it unless you come from a farming background, unless you farmed or. So tell me quick, you know, let the listeners know, like, what is your background in farming? You know, you don't have to get too specific, but just, you know, like, how, how are you related? Because you grew up in, you grew up in, in a farming area in, in a farm, on a farm, essentially, right? Yeah. Uh, I grew up on a dairy farm and we had, you know, 50, 50 milkers, Jersey cows. And the thing that, that boggles my mind that people don't understand is take a look at the Thanksgiving game. Uh, against Dallas to when, when Allen fumbled the football, reached into the pack, got the football, and then got the first down. That's, 
that's where that farmer mentality comes from. It's like, you don't have an option. There's no option but to do the thing. When you're, you're doing something like, say, you're, you're putting in hay or whatever it is and the tractor breaks in the middle of the field, you don't just walk off the, you know, walk down the hill and go, oh, oh, well, I guess we'll get that fixed in a couple of weeks. It's no, you figure out how to, to make this work so you can get the hay in that day that needs to go in. You know, the cows need to be milked twice a day. If, if something happens, you get it fixed because it has to happen. And, and I think that's the mentality that, that gets in, ingrained. And I didn't notice it until later in my life that that's how I think. I don't even think about things. If something goes wrong, I don't think, oh, well, I guess that's how it is. It's like, well, how am I going to do this? Might have to get some duct tape out or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I think that's the mentality that Josh Allen brings to the table. And you notice, and, and, and I think he gets, he's gotten, uh, you know, ragged on a little bit too. You know, some of these games last year to where he's doing goofy things to try to extend the plays. It's like, no, he's figuring out a way. And I think as he matures and as he gets better at, 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 at the quarterback aspect, now his ideas are better <laughs> as opposed to just chucking the ball to some dude who hasn't even looking. Uh, now, now he understands how to do that, but, but at the time it, it's like, no, this has to get done. So therefore we're going to do it. It doesn't matter how it doesn't have to be pretty, but this is going to get done. And, and that's the mental attitude that I, that I don't, I don't think that people understand, uh, just because they didn't come from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he grew up in like a, it, it wasn't a dairy farm. It was like a pistachio farm or something like or that. Soybeans or, or something soybeans, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, but it's still the same thing, though. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's like you're you've got to get things done. Like you you can't just go. Oh well. And the announcers have said this too. Is like even though like last week the first half against Pittsburgh, it wasn't pretty. But I think Allen's personality and and it's permeated through the team, which is like, yeah, it wasn't pretty, but it's not over. We're gonna get this done. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's like don't dwell on the fact that it wasn't pretty in the first half. It's it's like we're going to do this thing now, and and that's where you know it's the same thing with farming. Sometimes it's not pretty, and and you've got to roll with it, and you've got to figure out the way that it is going to work. And and I think that's uh, I think that mentality is is start. You see it you know throughout the whole team now, as opposed to a couple of years ago, to where he you know again he was just not happy with how things went. It it everybody's on board. You know, you mentioned that that fourth down play against the Cowboys, uh, which everyone remembers, I'm sure. Um, you know, those little plays that like happened in the in the Texans playoff game, and and he still has that kind of you know mentality where it's like backyard football almost, where he's going to try to flip it to a guy that's open before he gets you know um, taken down or whatever. He's going to try to make a reception or whatever, and uh, you know, eventually over time. He's going to start getting those, and those are going to be highlight reel plays. Like if he, as he's going down, as as he's being taken down by like a Joey Bosa like defensive end, and he flips it to Singletary, and Singletary runs for a touchdown. Like that's going to be highlight of the year worthy, and he's going oh, yeah. to eventually get it. And, and and I think that's the difference too in terms of like I said, you know, his skill set is is grown, and so the things that he can think of that are going to make it work are are better than just going, oh hey, here's the ball. Uh, but now the other guys on the team understand that if we're getting in a weird situation, he might just go, Hey, here's the ball. Mm-hmm. So they know to look for it now too. True. And I think that's part of the growth process of, of the team as well as, as well as him. Were you a Brett Favre fan growing up at all? Yeah. 
I mean, I I liked him. I wasn't a huge Green Bay fan. I mean, I've always been a Bills fan, so it's always kind of been one of those things. They're like, oh, I guess that guy can throw pretty good. <laughs> I I grew up. I I love Brett Favre. Um, growing up, whenever I could watch him, I would. And he had that like mentality where, and it was kind of similar to Jim Kelly actually a little bit. Um, he I think Brett Favre was much more reckless than Jim Kelly would. But I mean, Jim Kelly would throw like three. Yeah, he was a gunslinger. Yeah, he was. A, um, Brett Favre was just that guy, though. Unlike Kelly, Kelly played like, uh, you know, he 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 had a great arm and um, he was an exceptional quarterback. But I think Josh Allen has that like play like he's like a kid playing football, like Brett Favre used to. You know, like where Brett Favre, you know, you you think he was just like like this is his dream to do what he's doing, and he's living it and. He's living his best life, man. And he's just, you know, he was like, YOLO, like, let me, I'm just going to heave it down there. And he could either throw for like 400 yards and five touchdowns or like 300 yards and four interceptions. Like, it didn't matter. He was going to air it out. And I, I, I guarantee he's still that farm kid sending tapes to every single university to try to get on any team. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's who he is. And I think that's like, that's why he appreciates Buffalo. And, and I think that's why he fits Buffalo. Because, you know, Buffalo is not a farm town per se, but it's like, it's blue collar. It's, it's, it's like, they like the guys or go get it done. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the perfect thing. Get it done. And, and I think that's why he fits so well and why everyone's embraced him and, and uh, hopefully why he'll stay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Work for what you get, earn everything that you've, that you get, which he has, like you mentioned, everyone turned him down in college and he, could you imagine how many people have been turned down by every college and they're like, well, I guess this whole quarterback thing, you know, isn't going to work out or this whole college football thing isn't going to work out. And not only to overcome that, but then to eventually, you know, get, get a, a, finally get a college scholarship. And then not only that, do so well that you become like the seventh overall pick in the NFL draft. And not only that, you have to overcome every single draft, you know, pre-draft naysayer, uh, naysayer and hater. And come over, you know, critic and overcome all of that to become good. And not only just like, oh, like he's, he's pretty good. Like he's, you know, Ryan Tannehill, like he's, he's playing very well. He's playing, you know, at a top 10 level. And I mean, the and, you know, he's still not happy with it. He's still getting better, which is insane. He's only 24 years old. I mean, the sky seems to be the limit with this guy as long as his head's in it, which I, I can't see it not being in it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that's exactly it, and, and like I said, it's that farm kid who, you know, he's he may not play at the his first choice of where he wanted to play when he first got there. Then he gets transferred to Wyoming, which probably still wasn't a, you know, first choice in in terms of everything. But it's it's you keep working, and even coming into this, it's it's clear that that he's not he's not satisfied, and and he probably won't be for for quite a while, which is good. That's good for us. Yeah. It's an exciting, and he's time. a nice dude, which uh, seems <laughs> seems to be good too. Dude, he's so likable. He is so likable. He's like, he's just like, he's like one of us. I just heard him on a pod with uh, Maddie Maddie Glab and uh, and Kim Bagula, and he's just like, all I do is like just quote movies, <laughs> you know, like like goofy like Step Brothers, and he's listing off all these movies, Anchorman, and he's just, I'm like, that's like that's like us. That's that's literally most of us, you know, out there. It's just. All I'm doing is like sending gifs, gifs or like, you know, clips or like memes to friends, right? Like your buddies are, or on Twitter or whatever, we'll do that. And it's, it's like, that's, he's like us, essentially. He, we're basically him. 
Or the other way. Yeah, but he works harder than you do. <laughs> oh, so much harder. <laughs> and, and and unlike me, he's progressively getting better and better, and I just kind of leveled out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yay, middle age. <laughs> Yay, mediocrity. Um, cool, man. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this. This was fun. Thanks for thanks for reading that poem, working on it. Um, you know, I'll give myself credit as the architect for uh you know this idea but i mean you basically you were the farmer you brought it you 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 brought it in you know you 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 cut down the hay you fed the the, just, the cows just stop. you milked you just milked stop. the stanzas <laughs> <laughs> you milked the stanzas yeah you, you took out the uh the cow i don't know um it was it was it was really well done so thanks for thanks for doing this if it uh if it goes well man maybe we'll do it again next year or uh whatever no, it was fun, and and I think for the you know the four people that'll probably listen to it, uh, hopefully they get a little bit of a kick out of it. And who knows? Maybe maybe I'll try again next year, and uh, we'll have a different different angle. Oh, a different angle. But who knows? Different angle where you don't wake up at the end of the dream. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> you stay asleep. <laughs> it turn, turns out uh, uh, the, the the quote unquote narrator would be. Uh, in a coma. In a coma. <laughs> We're just going to say that. <laughs> and then the end is just like, oh, it's just like a dark sleep. <laughs> I never wake up. The family would come and visit on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> or you do like a Groundhog Day sort of thing where like you keep on waking up and going to sleep every single day. It's the exactly. same playoff game over and over again. <laughs> yeah, let me get my pen. These are good ideas. How do I get these to end? Okay. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on. So, uh, for Nick, go Bills. And for me, Nate, go Bills. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills!